You're listening to an Irreverent Media Podcast. Go to irreverent.fm for more content from our phenomenal, amazing friends. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. It's episode 159 with Jackie Lewis, and apparently I'm on a roll because back-to-back episodes, like within weeks of each other, almost to the day, almost to the day. I did Thursday last week. We're doing Tuesday today because I had my meds, I'm drinking my coffee, we are on a roll. And um, this whole time change thing had me up at 7 a.m. before God was awake. So, you know, we're, we're just out here working and twerking. I hope that it was not too dramatic of a time change for you. Today on the show, I have the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, who is the senior minister at Middle Collegiate Church in New York City. She's a public theologian, an author, an activist, a nana, an auntie, a wife, and truly just an incredible human. She's somebody that I look up to and admire so much, and I have had the privilege of kind of growing in friendship with Jackie over the past few years. Um, She's also the author of her newest book, Fierce Love, A Bold Path to Ferocious Courage and Rule-Breaking Kindness That Can Heal the World. She calls it a manifesto for all generations, a universalist vision for mending our broken hearts and fractured world. What I love about Jackie and her work is that she's a Christian woman, but she is also universalist. And it's like, how can you be both? I'm just like, well, here she is. And on top of that, that's kind of in many ways, like how I follow Jesus myself is like, I am not, I'm going to follow Jesus as closely as I can in whatever paths Jesus leads me on. Does that make me a Christian? I don't know. But just like last week, I, once again, it's the faith of black women that is pumping me up again. That's empowering me to stay anywhere near some sort of believer. Um, but you're going to love this conversation. Jackie is kind. She is loving. She is just like, she's the, the person you want to you wanna hang out with, you want to kiki with. And um, I cannot wait till we get to do an event one day. I'm just going to speak that into existence. We're going to be in New York City. We're going to be sitting in some gorgeous cathedral having a conversation about love. And then people are going to just feel the whole spirit. It's going to be amazing. Anyways, I love you. I'm so glad you're here for this episode. Please grab yourself a a cup of something, whether it's, um, I'm drinking coffee right now because it's nine in the morning, but maybe you need something a little stronger for you. You know, maybe you need Red Bull. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead and grab yourself something to drink. Um, call a friend, send this podcast to somebody who you know needs to hear it and enjoy this conversation with my friend, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. I mean, I'm always just Jackie. People say, what should you say? I say, well, I am the Reverend Jacqueline Jeanette Lewis, mm-hmm. comma, PhD. And that costs mm. a lot of time and money. But I'm <laughs> Reverend Dr. Jackie, or I'm just Jackie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just and Jackie. you're out here. You are pastor of Middle Church NYC, or one of the pastors on the fabulous team at Middle Church NYC. Yep. The head pastor. You, the, the head senior, pastor. The senior pastor. In charge. My yes. official title is senior minister in charge. Isn't that what hilarious? is that? Wait, really? It's fully yeah, a senior really. minister. Senior That's amazing. So when someone's just like, who's in charge? They point to you. 
God and me, and then everybody. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, We're yeah, all yeah. in charge, but that's my official title. It cracks me up. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. And all, what I, I just want to say, like, I, the reason I connected with you, I think, like, I've just, you've just been one of these, like, delicious, powerful, influential voices in modern Christianity that has, like, kept me in the orbit of the church because mm -hmm. there are many a day when I just want to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this doesn't. Yeah. Peace out. Yeah. Um, but like, I think one of the things that draws me to your work in general is has everything to do with the title of your book coming out soon called Fierce Love. Um, but the way that you develop community at Middle Church. And there it is. The, the I have book. a real copy in my hand, my love. A How real... does it feel? Oh, my God. You know, Kevin, I, I was, you know, watch my friends open their books and you think that's that's lovely. But it really feels like something else. It feels mm. like the manifestation of your hope, your dreams, your hard work. It feels like a baby that's been midwifed by you and your community mm -hmm. and your editor and your publisher. And yet, yes, it yes, does yes. take a village to raise a book. It takes a village to raise a book, honey. It really does. So it feels really good. Mm -hmm. So with Fierce Love, uh, give give the elevator pitch slash like when someone picks up this book, what are they gonna what are they gonna get hit with? They're going to get hit with a path out of toxic religion. Come on. A path out of white supremacy masquerading as polity. Mm. And a path out of misogyny and racism hiding out in doctrine. Mm -hmm. And a path to the only true religion, which is love. Mm. Period. That's Come what on. they're going to get. And, and they're going to get that. I mean, this isn't rocket science. I mean... It isn't rocket science, but it is just truth. Mm -hmm. I've been on a nine-year journey, Kevin, to this book. A nine-year journey, you know, I mean, I can go back even to 9-11, maybe so. But right. being a theologian in 2001, when people turn planes into bombs, mm -hmm. and then we turn ourselves into warmongers, yeah. as though all the Muslim world did that. And I just mm -hmm. was heartbroken, right? I mean, it's like, well, who are we? And then the epidemic that is anti-Black racism and violence against Black people. How many? Trayvon, you know, mm -hmm. you can't even say them all. Trayvon and Michael and Sandy and, you know, more recently, Brianna and mm -hmm. Aubrey and George Floyd murdered before our eyes. Yes. And we knew it wasn't the first time that that had happened. We just knew we saw it. Like mm -hmm. we saw, you know, um, like we saw our brothers thrown on the ground, choked on the ground. I can't breathe, like enough already. And then Trump, hold like, and then the pandemic that gives us license to be anti-Asian in our sentiment. Mm. What? No. So all of that, all of that was cooking in my body. And I just was wondering like, how does how does humankind find a way to feel our connection more profoundly, to feel that we have to have each other's backs, that we can't afford to be anti-queer, we can't afford to be anti-Semitic, we can't afford to be xenophobic, because our thriving is bound up together. So this book comes out of a journey from my own evangelical childhood. <gasps> And I know we were evangelical, but we were evangelical. Come on, and come on. Also, that's soprano now. It's very pretty. Right. 
That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Just want to say that. Like, freedom, freedom, mm-hmm. freedom, freedom. Religion is freedom. Love is freedom. That's what they're going to find. Freedom mm-hmm. in steps. You love yourself, you love your posse, and then you love the world. And then this is what it is. This is how mm-hmm. we get here. And I think that is the clearest way of putting it to, and I think that's like what has been uh, the difference between how many of like people in my audience and people like myself, I can't this see what is it's- my breakfast, baby. We're having breakfast together. It's uh, one of those naked green machine things. She's I'm a- breaking my fast today. It's my first meal of the day. Delicious. <laughs> With the green machine. Listen, that I it's need delicious, a- yet. I probably will need a burger later. <laughs> Listen, I'm the same exactly. It's like after it's so like, mm, I got to ease my way back into it. But just like farm burger is just up the street yeah. and it's the best burger in town. Yeah. Um, what I, <laughs> yeah. what I love about what you're saying, you give this step, the step by step that seems so simple, love yourself, love your posse and love the world. And I think for someone like you and you and I, who are kind of practitioners in some way of, yeah, of this work that we're doing, um, those things can seem super lugubrious to other people or like almost like That's mysterious. Right. So for That's you, right. when you're saying love yourself, love your posse, love the world, start with the top. When you start thinking about loving yourself, what does that mean? I you? will. Yeah. Yeah. I, thank you, Kevin. I mean, let me just step back a minute to say the two streams that run through the book are mm-hmm. um, the ubiquitous world religion call to love neighbor as self. Every religion yes. has some form of that. Do right. unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Don't withhold from someone that which you need for yourself. One tradition sim- simply says, never break anybody else's heart. Can you Oof. imagine the world never break anybody else's heart? Mm. My friend Michael Way, Matthews, and I'm paraphrasing him, had a tweet that was something like, um, if, if, if my love for you is born of fake love for myself, that could be dangerous. I'm totally butchered that. Mm-hmm. But if we don't love ourselves, if we can't love ourselves, there's no way we love each other. Mm-hmm. What I say is you can't love a fake thing. Right. And fake love isn't love at all. So I, I, what, how do you love yourself? First of all, we're not taught it. So I'm trying to teach us. We're not taught to look in the mirror and say, I see my warts, I see my faults, mm-hmm. I see my stuff. And, and the same Christian people are like, we're all made in the image of God, but you're not supposed to love that. You're supposed to think mm-hmm. that's a worm. That's a, that's a horrible. Yeah, right? it's it, just it... dust before the Lord. What, what happened? What happened to, I see you and you're very good. What happened to you you're made in the image of God. What make what happened to the psalmist? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So if we have a whole theology built on your horribleness and then say love your neighbor as yourself, when you actually do that, you are a crappy lover of neighbor. Mm-hmm. You just are a crappy lover of neighbor if you don't love yourself. So you're shame-based, you're hating your neighbor, you're stingy. So yeah. How do we love ourselves? We we accept our stories as uh, fodder for our superpowers where you're mm-hmm. broken you're strong where you made mistakes you grow you know look in your story investigate your story tell the truth about yourself to yourself and then let go of your baggage so you can love yourself that's mm-hmm. part one get it small if you got a mm-hmm. trunk let's get to a fanny pack yeah <laughs> okay? that's, I was so t- I, i've told so many people i'm just like your baggage <laughs> is fine you just need to know what's inside of it and when you realize you don't need it anymore you should probably let it go 
Because like you said, right? like then you can you can you can go faster in the world, you can go better in the world without dragging all that crap around. And that's about forgiving yourself and forgiving all the things, all the people. Second part about loving the world, I really talk about um, not leaving anybody behind, Kevin. So much of our toxic religion has been about who's out. Get out gays, get out divorced people, get out Buddhist, mm -hmm. Muslims and Christians, get out all of y'all except the 144,000 of you that are going to heaven, get mm -hmm. out. And we're leaving you behind because that's what that is. Well, what about this? I was a little kid um, at camp Mm. And all the bad, all the teenagers were drinking and smoking and about to have sex on the beach or something. And my girlfriend and I, my friend Lisa and I, beat it back to the, the room on time. We got right. back on time. And you know what? You know what our, our our chaperone did? Is she made us sit up all night till the other kids came back? I'm like, what is wrong with her? We got the A plus for being good. Hmm. She said, we don't leave people behind. Hmm. You should have stayed there until you could convince them to come back with you. And I, I just, inside my theological imagination as a little person, I started questioning like, Jesus is the only way, the only truth and the only life. Well, what about the Chinese girl in the orphanage, Kevin, who will never know Jesus? Right. How does that happen? So not leaving anybody behind and increasing our tribe is really that section two, to begin to think about Ubuntu, which is the second mm -hmm. stream. Mm -hmm. um, I am who I am because you are who you are. A person is a person through other persons. Zulu, ancient African tradition that predates our faiths. And since mm -hmm. we're all African, mm -hmm. since we all come from Africa, I think this is embedded in our DNA. We got out of caves and walked into the light saying, we better do this together. So how do we get back to that? How do we get back to um, increasing our tribe? And understanding that that, that that when when Kevin when your when your father is you know wrestling with dementia, not that mm -hmm. your dad is, but when a father is wrestling, I have grief. When a child is thirsty in Detroit, I'm drawn to the policy to make it better. When when young adults have debt after college. I need to rewire what college education looks like because that's all of those people are my people. The old people, the young people, all the people are my people. That's why we go to court and stand up against Kate Gate, right? That's mm -hmm. why we stand up for each other's rights. That's why we go to the border and stand up for immigration rights because all these people are our people. And the third thing is just to turn our love and energy toward the world. Mm -hmm. And that is um, really, I think the most, the fundamental practice in that last section is learning how to see the rabbis say a moral life is not just about our relationship with God, but it's about learning how to see, to get rid of indifference yes. and learn how to see that the world all flows better because we do it together. Mm -hmm. You know, the midrash on love your neighbor is a, is a story about donkeys. We don't do donkeys, but if your neighbor's donkey wanders into your yard, you can't keep the donkey. You have to water and feed the donkey and give it back. If the donkey falls down under its burden, you have to pick it up. And you do that not because you do it even if no one sees you doing it and you do it because it's right. That's mm -hmm. learning how to see. Right. I think that's when you said learning how to see is actually because like when you see the world, like when you really see the world, um, at least what I've learned in my practices is that the more I love my, like, again, it starts back with loving myself. If I am the, how I see the world is usually a direct reflection of 
my inner world in that moment. Because if I see it as this shithole of a place that's just out to get me, well, then of course, that is what I'm going to find and perceive. But in reality, if I see it, like you said, through Ubuntu, like see like this whole world as the body of Christ, as my neighbor, as my family, then that really, like, then there's no question about what I need to do. There's no question. Like, and, no like, and it's question. also like, how do I do it? It's just, well, what's in front of you? You don't right. have to like, That's you don't right. have to like get a step-by-step thing. You don't have to get the whole plan. You need to show up and witness. You need to see. And when you see, you know what to do. That which you see fills your soul, right? Mm-hmm. And Rumi says, when we do something from our soul, it's a river, it's a joy. So in that, in that last section, I'm trying to also say like, this is not hard work. This is yeah. everyday acts of kindness. This is, you know, there's a woman in a hijab in the grocery store in front of you, digging in her purse and her toddler's freaking out and everyone's sending her daggers because she's got mm-hmm. on a hijab and what's that about? Is she a terrorist? Mm-hmm. You just do the kind thing. You distract the baby. You 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 help get the groceries. Every little moment of kindness is a healing moment, mm-hmm. and I think turns the world toward love. Kevin, mm. it's not that hard, and it should be fun, and it should bring joy to us to yeah. get in the river together. You that's know? what I think. That's also like for a lot of our friends who are healing from uh, the hurt of conservative Christianity or even evangelicalism. It's like. Like that sound like it, I, I feel like the the thing that kind of trips people up is like I had that at one time or I believed I had that at one time and now I feel like I'm never gonna get it again. And it's like it's mm. almost just like the idea because I think in evangelical world, because love was taught as sacrifice, love was taught as you gotta give until there's nothing left. That's you have right, to make sure you take every care of everybody else and you're you know your suffering now is worth nothing compared to the glory you'll receive later. And they twist that around to mean something horrible. But the, um, but what you're describing is something that is delicious to me. I love your word delicious. I think so, Kevin. I mean, it is to me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a witness to what I'm talking about, right? Mm, I, yes. I, I was in the thing. I was in the don't know more evangelical Christianity. Don't have sex. Don't drink. Don't curse. Don't wear makeup. Mm-hmm. Don't wear, I, don't wear pants. What? Who? Which God cares? Which this one? <laughs> which this God one like, cares about that? Right? It's like your God has a dress code. That is wild to me, honey. That is crazy town. That's just too small, right? And this whole idea of just having your soul crushed. And, mm-hmm. and it happens in the church. And then our parents, let's be honest, grow up in the church. And then your parents believe disciplining you is about crushing your soul, impinging you, squeezing you down. The whole world then becomes about how do we get each other to conform to mm-hmm. some standard of what it means to be good. And what it means to be good is to love like God loves. That is clear to me. So uh, working my way out of, of that. and. And to be honest with you, Kevin, working my way out of that, working my way out of that box was hard. Yeah. It, it required conflict. It required tough times and tough talks. It required stripping out of, of some of my belief systems and getting new ones. But on a personal level, which I think is a place that, that we can all resonate with, mm-hmm. it was like conflict sometimes with my dad, just mm-hmm. who was the ultimate box maker. You know, a hurt person, know. A ch- right? You know what I'm talking about? You know yeah, what I'm I do. About. I a, do know what you're talking a about. A child, 
right? These fathers who grew up in these households where they didn't learn how to be tender. Uh, all yeah, the like tender because like it was like for at least for like so many of them, it's a matter of survival. Right. Mm-hmm. And we end up with, you end up with being squeezed in, squeezed down, shut down. And I would say over a couple of decades, Kevin, and in a series of, of, of tough moments with my dad, which I talk about in the book, mm -hmm. I, he was my foe at some points. He was my foil at some points. Mm -hmm. But in another way, I would say he's my fierce love partner. Yeah. Because the last time we tussled, and I was like, look, dude, this does not really work for me. He met me right there at that place, Kevin, mm. to help us to reconstruct a relationship. So I'm in Chicago now. And a, a couple of days ago, I went over to my dad's house and to run in and do a podcast. And, and when I came out to the kitchen, my dad, my 80, he'll be 87 days. Oh, come on, Signal. Come back to me. Can you back up and say that all again? Because it was a little bit glitchy. Yeah, uh, I will. And say it from yeah, the. Yeah, um, I'll say it again. Uh, I came out into the kitchen and my dad. Yep. I came out into the kitchen and my dad has set a table before me of my favorite meal fried chicken, some coleslaw, <sighs> potato salad. And he's all, Do you need a green salad? Do you want me to? Make no, daddy. And he's poured me a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And he sits with me and just listens to me talk about my crazy, busy, fire-laden life and just really listening and actively listening. Well, let me ask you a question. Didn't you get insurance? I mean, just like in it, in it with me. Mm -hmm. And then I pull my book out and I read him the dedication, you know, to mom and dad, my first fierce loves. And he starts crying, mm -hmm. you know, and I read him a couple more passages and he cries and I go, dad, you I'm here, I am here, I Ubuntu, I am here because you are who you are. I am who I am because we wrestled together. It wasn't like bippity skip through the, through the Lula, you know, it was sometimes tough, it was fierce. And we fought our way to each other with each other. He loves me so much, Kevin, and I love him so much. And our reconciliation is about how the world gets reconciled. Yes. It's truth telling. It's conflict. It's tough. You get in it. You get messy. You tell the truth. You fight. You cry. Mm -hmm. And then you make a better world. You can't make it pretending that the world is great because it ain't great until we make it great. Yes. And that I think you're describing some really beautiful, like clear and honest communication that yeah. I think we can have with our parents. And I think like, cause like, you know, your dad's 87. Uh, and so for me, like my mom's in her sixties. And so for many of us, like, there's still like, I'm thinking of all the people I know who like their relationship with their families are strained because yeah. of religion, because yes. my mom and dad believe that gay people are unacceptable to God. And so like, I can't be around that anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so for you, when you're thinking about like trying I don't know, like, if you ever talk to folks like that, being a pastor. I'm no, sure I, do. You, I, yeah. I do. I like, do. So I, how do you, how, what advice do you give to people when it's really, really fucking hard to love the people who, you know, were kind of for better or for worse connected to? It is hard. And I think I say, you know, put your own mask on first. Yes. 
you have to love yourself. Rudy Francisco is a new poet I found recently, and he says, you, you have to love yourself so fiercely that you teach other people how to do it. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if in order to undo the toxicity that can come from religion, that can come from culture, that can come from race and family, all that stuff, gender norms, all that crap, and stuff, definitely homophobia. Let's make sure we say that, whether it's religious based or just stupid based. <laughs> What's your hey, best? say it, say it, say it. You are listening. Get out. Get out. And what I mean by that is you don't have to kill them to get out. You, don't, you might not even be able to leave to get out, but you can start getting free in your mind because you love yourself. You can start making boundaries in your mind about what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you and have loving, supporting others who can stand with you while you make those boundaries. You know, uh, you might have to say, this is not acceptable to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You might have to say, um, you know, you might have to say I statement type things like when you talk to me that way or when you leave me out or when you demean my personhood, you make me feel like crap. And how can you say you love God and you make me feel like crap? Mm-hmm. Can, no one can argue with your feelings. Yeah, the truth and, actually will set you free. Yeah. And being able to take that to a parent, you know, I think it's I for me, I had to like change a little bit of my uh, understanding of how this relationship works because it's yeah. when we come from evangelical world, we're kind of we're stunted into these roles, father, mother, child. Right. And I have to, even it's almost like when we go back into that space as we shrink back into that box rather than yes, that's kind right. of, I take this identity of child with me, but I am now an adult and I can say, hello, other adult human whom I love and respect and who should love and respect me. This is like, I now have a little bit of agency now and I right. need to hear this is not how it's going to work anymore. And if it can't, if we can't get to a place where this feels good for both of us, then our relationship is going to have to change. Kevin, that is exactly what I did when I graduated with my PhD and I was an old type chick getting my PhD in 40 something, getting my PhD. My is dad that old come, for a PhD? That no, feels it's like, totally not. But yeah, I'm just saying I wasn't 20. You know what I mean? Right, so right, right. I'm trying to put in the table like, I had grown some life, right? I had had a couple of other kinds of experiences with dad by this time, maybe braver. But mm-hmm. I, uh, he came to my graduation party and just acted stank as the only word mm-hmm. I could say um, to one of my friends who I ended up marrying. But at that point we were friends and he just was rude. And I thought, are you kidding me? So my friend leaves my party because I'm going to say something to your dad and it's your day. And I'm like, it's my day. And my dad is acting like it's not my day. Mm. What is wrong with you? I mean, really, like the way you have managed us all your life, daddy, is you think if you withhold something from us or put us out or curse us out, we're going to bend to your will, period. Anybody else got parents like that? Like we're going to bend to your will. And I just said, I am 45 years old. I am grown. I run a church. I run my world. I run my life. Mm. Welcome to my life but you are not welcome to behave this way in my life. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think you can do it better, I will come and do your funeral and that'll be that. And if you'd like to do it better, welcome to the new grown-up relationship. And he chose the latter, but he wouldn't have Kevin if I didn't make it Mm -hmm. an opportunity for him. Yeah. And I think that kind of very serious conversation is one, if y'all want to take, anyone who's listening now, take that verbatim, and take it to your, if you have a relationship with your folks where it's not 
in a place. I know for me and my mom, because my mother's a good Southern lady. Mm-hmm. And so I had to sit down with her and like, we had to get past like the Southern niceties of like, we're not talking about the thing anymore. And I said like, yeah, I need you to show up for my life because right now we're pretending like I don't exist or that I'm not gay. Mm-hmm. And I can't just come home and pretend to be, pretend like that never happened or pretend that right. like, yeah, or pretend like I'm you. not going to wear a dress and go out on a Friday night. <laughs> or pretend like I'm not like wearing lipstick while also leading worship on Sunday morning. Like, right, right. Good for you. You and and Kevin, what we've been taught, and the church did this to us, mm. because when the church got to be empired, mm, and, it, and, and it became right, and then it's a controlled tactic. Constantine's like, look at this trope through which I can manage the masses. He might have had a Jesus moment, but I think he had an empire moment. Listen, that's what I say. It was like, he's like, he saw a sign in the sky. I'm just like, you know what? And Jesus appeared to 500 people. It's a little hard for me to believe. Okay. (laughs) No, just joking. But like, no, no, but just to say when, when what you do with the religion is to control folks, Mm. all of us have been taught that we should be expecting to be controlled by the bearers of the religion and the bearers of the power mm-hmm. and the parents of the power. And when you're three, your parents need to control you so you don't jump out of a building and burn yourself. Yeah, you need boundaries. All of those kinds of things. But it, but our emerging adulthood should be psychologically that we internalize the boundaries and we make them our own. We internalize the yes, we internalize the no, we internalize what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes we have to critique it. I just wrote an essay for college kids. I'm like, this, your job is to ask the questions about what you really believe because you can't become an adult until you do. And Kevin, you're becoming an adult in relationship to your nice Southern mommy Mm -hmm. is about you growing to your adulthood, but it's also her growing to her preferred adulthood to be in relationship with you. Our job is to grow up our parents is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that is sometimes very, very tough because the longer you have a behavioral pattern, the longer you believe something, the harder it is to replace that belief, not only in like the subconscious, but like in the body. That's right. Um, Something I wanted to like jump back to that you were talking about, like how we love our bodies in general. what does loving your body look like for you? How do you take care of this vessel you're in? Don't go anywhere. A Tiny Revolution will be right back in just a second. Well, today I'm drinking a green machine uh, yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. traveling and one does not get in, one does not get in a fiber when one travels. So That's I'm going to pound a couple of these today to keep Keep it mm-hmm. moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you know, I'm always honest with you, right? I'm honest. I don't, God, I I don't do so. as well as I should. So just to kind of keep walking, to keep moving, to keep stretching, to mm-hmm. take in good resources for my body. I love red wine, mm-hmm. but my doctor said a glass of red wine is different than a bottle. And that's really true. Hey, friends, so don't like, drag me yeah. like this. Let me air. <laughs> like, just... He used to say, he's like, I love red wine. Have some. But if you mm-hmm. drink a whole bottle by yourself, your body that's, does not really want to process that. And that's just true. So yeah, it's not that, about isms. It's just like mm-hmm. what's really good, good for you, right? Yeah. And I think that's another thing, too, is like the being able to take care of your body in a way that feels good to you and whatever yeah. is healthy for you. You, exactly. Period. 
period. Like it has That's nothing right. to do with a weight on the scale or what, which is like what your no. body naturally wants to do. For me, my body naturally wants to sit around 205. And so like, <laughs> yep. I'm You're like, fine with that. I really, I, when I was trying to, you know, edit, it was like, it was like, I was, I'm still eating the foods that feel good and are delicious, but I'm also like not policing or like restricting myself anymore. I just asked the question of just like, is this going to feel good in my body? And that's my only litmus test anymore. I like that test. I, I mean, I, if I would say for Jacqueline, not for Kevin, mm-hmm. my litmus test would be, is this going to feel good for my body, in my body? Which is the mm-hmm. same thing, twice, like a two double look. Because yeah. like, I love chocolate and therefore I'm going to have some. Oh yeah. If I ate six bars in a row, I'm probably going to push my blood sugar in a way that's going to make me cuss somebody out and that's unhelpful. Mm-hmm. So just so it's like a both and thing. And honestly, Kevin, this body shaming skinny crap has got to go. There's mm. too many people who are not healthy because they are, they're marching to some mirror that someone's created for them. Mm-hmm. You want to stay healthy by drinking water, friends, in a simple way. You want to hydrate, you want to stretch yourself and you want to eat what's good for you. What feels mm-hmm. good inside you and what's good for you. And what's also true about your body is your mind. So if you keep running tapes in your mind about how ugly you are or how fat you are or how stupid you are or how queer you are Mm -hmm. um, or how black you are or how Latinx you are in a world that doesn't love all the bodies, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be good for your body or your soul. So we need some positive mentoring and some friends Mm -hmm. who love us and see us and think we're badass. You need a posse of people who think you're badass to remind you that you're wonderful because you are. Mm -hmm. I think, and that's really, the, like, I have to tell you what, getting into my, I'm going to be 32 in a couple of weeks. Oh, you are so specially young. That's I'm what 30 I, years older than you, man. 30 listen, years older than you. And you're looking fabulous. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the way um, my posse kind of like does that for me um, is like, I, I, I know that I can go to them with anything, including like, when I'm feeling, especially when I'm feeling petty, mm-hmm. like, let me tell you what, there was a moment on the internet the other day. I'm just like, where I was feeling especially petty. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't have to clap back. I don't need to do anything. People are just being people. And I called a friend of mine and I just, I said, can I just complain to you? Do you have the space for me to complain about something that's really inconsequential? And <laughs> yeah. they listen and they said, all that's true. And what's also true is you chose this, you chose mm-hmm. this career and you love this career. You love mm-hmm. being in the public space. You love doing these things. And people love that you're able to respond in a way that's non-inflammatory and that's able to be like helpful. And it's like, you really to respond to the right way. And I was like, thank you because I just felt bad the whole time. <laughs> that's good. But that, that's good, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're, um, you're really, your story illustrates what I think is another important thing about just getting to be well and getting to be whole and learning to love ourselves is rehearsing our stories with ourselves, mm. with friends who love us. So, you know, you tell that story and your friend pulls up a mirror and says, and you did exactly the right thing by holding back, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might be rehearsing a story with someone who loves you and be like, I really fucked that up. I really fucked that up. Mm-hmm. And the friend might help you see that you could admit that you were a fuck up is a, is a mm-hmm. spiritual gift. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's a superpower, right? Yeah. To admit that you're wrong. And and what does it say? Repentance leads to forgiveness, baby. If I recognize the thing that's not working, the thing that is keeping me away from my peace, the thing that is not adding value to my life, 
Yes. That is that is an act of fierce love towards myself to say, that's not working. So what that's do I want exactly to do to change right. my mind? Let me forgive myself for thinking I had to do this thing to get love. Yep. Right, Kevin? And if you can do that for yourself, when we can do that for ourselves, I think it also strengthens our capacity to do it for others. So, you know, I'm telling you, I pick my dad. I've picked mm. my dad. I've picked relationships with, with people who've hurt me to redeem them, to say, but I want this to work. I want this relationship to work. So that same grace and love and compassion that I show to myself, I get to show to my family, to my friends and, and be like, no one is perfect. And I want this relationship. So I'm gonna stay in this relationship and I'm gonna work with this dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there are some relationships that no matter what we want are going to be toxic and caustic for us. And that's when yes. we have to ask ourselves about how do we let them go? Mm-hmm. How do I reorient them? How yeah. do I reorient myself to this person? I, I sometimes think like when I, I was like, okay, I want to love this person exactly where they're at. And if that's true, that means I have to love them exactly where they're at, <laughs> which is so annoying. Yeah. And, and that's so annoying. <laughs> if I can't be around them and also feel good about myself. And like, if, if being around them fills me with wanting to fucking kill them, that's data to respond to. So if I need to take space or create a boundary is to say, I love you where you are. And I have, I have no expectations for you to be different. And that's, that's the, that's for me, when I said to myself, just lower your expectations, your family, your friend, your whoever is where they're at today. Right. And If they demonstrate that's where they plan on camping for a while, then again, that's data. It is. And I love that we're right here in this place because then I think it goes back to your mom or other folks or my dad mm-hmm. in those in that moment. But other folks, the, the, the love you where you are and that's, and you can't change mm-hmm. and that's data. But the other data point is your feelings about how they're being. Right. So without the truth, I mean, psychologists say people can change 15%. I don't know. I think that's high, but without Mm -hmm. the truth, if I don't say dad or Bob or coworker or Mm -hmm. lover, this, when this happens, it cuts my soul. Yeah. It really cuts my soul. Okay. Like you give them that and they have a chance to ask themselves, do they want to be your soul cutter? Do, mm-hmm. Is that going to work for them? And then you're having a, you're, then you're having a dialogue, a, di, a, a dynamic mm-hmm. where you might change something together. You might not, but if you don't say it, mm-hmm. if you don't say something, the message, mm-hmm. everything is cool, just exactly the way it is. Yes, like sometimes, like the boat needs to be rocked right? because, I mean, like like the. Yeah we have these needs, both emotional and spiritual and physical. And like some needs, like at the end of the day, as an adult, I am responsible for getting those needs met on my own. And I can ask my person, whoever it is to try and meet that need for love or validation or whatever. And if they can't give that to me, that's not bad. That just means that they don't have it to give to me. And if that makes me, if that hurts too much. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say like, I, if if that's the if that's the case it's just i have to say all right like the the loving thing for me to do is to figure out how to go find to get my needs met and once i get that met maybe i'll have some more capacity for this person i love what you said though 
you have to like, you got to tell somebody and give them that chance. Cause I know when I told my mother, um, I remember we were both crying in the bathroom at my mom, papa's house during one Christmas, because like, I'm having like full blown panic attacks. And I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I'm here. I am (laughs) having one. And I just remember saying very clearly, I'm like, I need you to show up for my life because Mm -hmm. if you don't, I can't show up for yours. And she was at the next GCN parent summit on her own, on her own dime. And I'm like, I didn't even have to ask her to do that. All I had to do was say, this is what I need from you. And then she did, she, it was almost just like a light switch turned on for her to say, Oh, I'm not loving my kid the way that I need or the, the way that they need. And now like me and her, like ch- chitty chat on the phone, she is loving being a grandma right now. So She's constantly calling me with pictures of the baby. It's a lovely time. It is a good time that you cultivate because you cultivate it with courage. And, you know, I think, I think confrontation is a, is a spiritual gift. It is, a, mm. it is an essential gift to humankind to construct the world we want together. You just cannot pretend that it's working when it's not. You collude in your own abuse and in the injustice when you don't say the truth and it's hard. So we're not saying it's easy. It wasn't easy, right? It's not easy. Mm-hmm. You have your panic attack told you this is not easy, but it must happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's going to be, uh, you know, um, just a broken heart. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we had a fire, right? Kevin, the church burned down in December of 2020. Like, I can't believe I it's just been no... only a year. It's felt like achingly longer. Forever. Yeah. It feels like forever. And it is so hard. I mean, even as we're talking, when I say the fire burned down, there's a muscle right mm-hmm. here that hurts. And I have had a couple of episodes of just really having a muscle hurt right here to the, you know, to the right of my heart. So it's not heart. But my doctor said, that's where you're carrying the stress. You used to carry it in your back and your stress is around your heart. Well, of course it is. Now, of course it is. So the this so the other day, what happened was mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there was a one of the helping professions around the system because uh, the emergency crew comes to help you. There was an attorney who was trying to explain the behavior of the neighbor who caused the fire, and I said it feels to me that this the the lack of response to what's happening might be racist or or something like that like as gentle as I could white lawyer tells me I don't think so I'm like oh no you didn't that was a mistake (laughs) I'm like "Mm." and it wasn't because I don't respect him it's because I do that I just let him feel the full heat of my you can't represent me if you can't have empathy for my point of view you can't Uh I'm a black woman traumatized by a fire in America you don't get to tell me what's about what. And you have to hear me and you have to know and you have to listen. And you have, and you have to, to be my advocate it. if you're going you to be do. my advocate. And he was so good about it, so helped by it. And and if I hadn't, then we would have just kept it marching with mm-hmm. whiteness, right? Being the construct in which we were doing our work as opposed to him coming to my point of view. So if I don't ask, I'm not going to get it. And Kevin, I'm 62. Mm-hmm. I'm not not I'm not not asking anymore. I'm Hello. not not 
telling anymore. I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not lying anymore. I'm not faking the funk mm. anymore about my life and what I need in my life. And I don't want you, Kevin, at 32 or our listeners at 22 to wait to you're 62 to get it. I didn't wait till I was 62, but mm-hmm. I was 40 something when I got it. And I'm saying today you can get it. If, Hello. You're 18, if you're 18, you can get the truth is you're amazing and gifted and fabulous and shining just exactly as you are. And the world might not approve of it, but you've got to love yourself anyway mm-hmm. and get some people around you to remind you to love yourself because we need you to be well and alive and good. And the truth is, Everybody's not ready for your fabulous and shiny, but go mm-hmm. get it. Do it. Put on your red dress and go trick-or-treating. Yes. Do your thing. Come on. And that is like the goose, the goose pimples are just running up and down. That's how I know the Holy Ghost is in the room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. Ha! <laughs> Come on now. Because like that is really it. Like something, of course, in Miracles says that I love so much is that my healing is part of God's plan for salvation for the Amen. world. That's right. Ooh, for the world. For the whole world. And for if I world. don't heal, the world isn't healed because That's I am right. part of this. That's right. I am part of God's beloved. All the whole of like, I look like, I look at the whole of creation as the body of God. Yeah. And I, right. if I don't I see like, too. like, I just like, it's so crazy. I'm just like the earth you know, how wonderful, like I was eating an apple today and something Sadhguru says in one of his books is just like, the fruit is so willing to become human for you. The dirt is willing to become the tree and the tree is willing to become the fruit and the fruit is willing to become human for you. And once I started seeing that larger, I really, really am a part of this whole thing because I'm literally taking up the earth into me and then Mm -hmm. eventually giving it back. To the earth. That to me... I'm like, wow, the earth really does fucking love me. And my it body totally loves me. And and it's just like, oh, and maybe it doesn't just stop there, but there are people who see this earthling running around and saying, I love that too. And it's I love like, you. I love you too, Jackie. Because like I do. When you said at the very top of this, it's like everything I'm writing is coming from experience. I feel that from you. Mm. And like I know that to be true. And I think that's really what we're trying to give people here is like, I don't want, we don't want this to be a theory anymore. The love of God, the love of the earth, the love of our bodies, the love we have for each other really is enough to save us. It really is enough to heal us. Yeah. It's the only thing that will. It's really the only thing that will. It mm -hmm. really is, Kevin. And you know, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I was doing my mm. audiobook a couple weeks ago. And I was <laughs> okay. like, oh, I'm so, I was like, I am so embarrassed at some of the shit I wrote here. I'm like, why did I feel like I needed to tell my business? But I did. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't say, I can't th- th- like I can't say these things without being honest about these things. How hard it was to love myself after being called a nigger when I was five, how hard it was to love mm. myself in some bumps and, you know, bumps and tassels with my, with my dad, how hard it is to be black in America and love yourself, a woman and love yourself, a Christian good girl and really love yourself. This mm-hmm. is a terribly hard journey. It's not like bibbity bip skip, change your mouthwash and you love yourself. Mm-hmm. What it is, is it's a muscle to work out and it's going to take a lifetime to work it out. And mm-hmm. we work it out together, Kevin. When you say, Jackie, I feel your authenticity in this moment. And I go, yes, you're, you are, you are my lover loving me. Mm. You are loving me. You are loving me 
by seeing me and, and I exist with, for you as, as a true friend and partner in the healing of the world. I see your nails. I see you. I can't wait to see your picture. I see you in the world just being such a guru for so many Damn. people. And I'm so proud of you. And somewhere in the life of the world, someone thinks Kevin's not authorized and you're exactly mm. what the world needs to be mm. hearing love about. So that's the, that's the transformational moment, right? Yes. We hold each other, we love each other, we see each other, and we are profoundly changed because our humanity is acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And also, ooh, and that right there is, I think that like, you know, when, when people talk about like those moments where I just feel, you and you just feel love, that one of these, this moment is it because I'm feeling it all through here. And I'm like, y'all, this exchange of love, this recognition of the true recognition of love in the other person, their full humanity and their full beauty. That's the end goal, but we've made it. We've we, like, that's in my religion at its highest points across all religious spectrums lead to this. Yes. Let me change how I see everything so that That's I can right. love everything. And when I do that, I really am free. I really That's am. Right. Like it, it casts off the chains, like all like, it casts off my, my doubt, it casts off, you know, perfect love drives out all the fear, baby. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Um, I think James Baldwin talks about being, having the chains fall off in a dungeon. I, I just, my dad's, chains fell off mm -hmm. when we kept loving him through it when mommy's death uh from mm -hmm. cancer four years ago made i mean they loved each other they their common enemy was cancer and they were like we got this mm -hmm. dressed in a light going to chemotherapy with the let's wear a brown um love transforms mm -hmm the hard thing in us mm -hmm. makes us delicious, Kevin, to use your word. Yeah, I think it really does. The way that the way the picture I have in my head that you were saying, just like compassion and love comes around all the hard stuff within us, all the things that we think are immovable and frozen and stuck or uh, unchangeable and changes them. Yeah. And allows them to, it's almost like, it's like you soften around the heat of the fire of love. You know, we are. That's, that's right. That's right. It's like a candle. And fierce like, love is know. a fire. Yes. It is. I was, I, someone said, what is fierce love? And I was like, well, I know what I'm talking about. It is like mm -hmm. heart stretching, persistent mm -hmm. love pursues. Kevin, you pursued your mama. Mm-hmm. You did. You, you, you pursued yourself too. Mm -hmm. You said, I need you to be for my life or I can't be for yours. Mm -hmm. You pursued your love of yours. You, you were your suitor, Kevin. Yes. Moment, right. You loved you, but mm -hmm. you also took it to mom, which gave her a chance to be in the love relationship with you, which was a certain kind of pursuit, a certain kind of persistent. And she pursues you by showing up mm -hmm at that meeting 
So mm-hmm. love, this kind of love is not for the faint. It's not for the weak. It actually does go to the mm-hmm. edge. It actually does embarrass yourself sometimes. Oh, it yeah. does put you out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm coming for you, right? I love you. Yeah. I'm coming for you. But the you in that that's, that is equally important is you. Mm-hmm. I don't think we get to love the other at our own expense is what I'm trying to say. Ooh, can we just put that in a cross stitch? Let's just put this on the walls and tattoo it on my forehead. You cannot love another person at your own expense. You can't, Kevin. That's that literally, that's not biblical. Now let's go to the Bible. Come on, the bring Greek, it on, Pastor. The Greek, the Greek love your neighbor as yourself is connected by the by the word os, and the os is an equal sign. Love your neighbor, os yourself. No bullshit. Love mm. your neighbor, os yourself. That is an equal sign. So when the church doesn't get that that's equal, that's crazy town. And when Jesus is pulling this up, not out of his butt, by the way, but out of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, those mm-hmm. laws are strong. Love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is this is biblical Deuteronomy, Leviticus. This is biblical Jesus rabbi in the Christian scriptures. And none of it is put yourself last. That's what's his, what's that boy that played football? My friends are first. My God is first. My friends are second, and I am third. Brian mm. Kip, what's his name? Brian so, somebody Piccolo. Brian Piccolo. Brian Song. Mm-hmm. My God is first. My friends are second, and I am third. No, you are first in the mm-hmm. love triangle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't love God either. Because we're also like. If your body is the temple, if this is where God dwells and you are not, if you don't love this body and this like you, I, I don't want to say you're not a fit dwelling place for God, but you're just going to forget that God. No, you should say that. <laughs> you're not. I'm sorry. Why? Yeah, why, why would, why would, why would yeah. holiness, love, the universe, like come to dwell in the dark, dank hole, you know, that is, you know, just full of like. Self-hatred. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of blasphemous. I mean, you and I used to be evangelical. So well, come on, blasphemy. It's kind of blasphemous mm-hmm. to, to, to say God is love and those who live in God live in love and God lives in them. That's First John 4, right? God mm-hmm. is love. Those who tabernacle in love, tabernacle in God and God tabernacles in them. Meant to, meant to, meant to kind of... Uh, exegete that whole, we got a tabernacle mm-hmm. and God's in it and we go across the desert. Mm-hmm. How can you say you love God mm-hmm. and God's in you and you hate you? Make it make sense. That's just blasphemy. Yeah. And how can you love God whom you can't see and hate your neighbor whom you do? Blasphemy number two. And I'm not out here trying to sin against my God. I'm not out here trying. Ain't nobody got time to sin against God. No. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> um, I know that we're coming up on time. It's like, listen, <laughs> we just need to do a whole podcast where we just like go, like get real biblical, <laughs> go right. real in on the text and That's say, like, right. listen, I know y'all heard it said, but we tell you, we got gotcha. you. That's right. Because we, we can do tell. it. Um, they can do it and we can too. <laughs> that, let me tell you, that was the other thing when I realized that just like, oh my God, everything I was ever taught was only by white men. I said to myself, like, I, I never want to read. I was reading the mega church pastor books out there. They're not that good. They're not that, they're not that deep. 
And also I found out recently that, that a lot of them don't even write them. They get ghostwriters. And I'm not saying that ghostwriting is a bad thing, yeah. but I am saying hmm. sus. Let's get some womanists. Let's read some Hello. Toni Morrison and some Alice Walker and mm -hmm. some Katie Cannon and some um, Dolores Williams. Mm, um, some Jackie Lewis. Jackie Lewis. Yep, some Will some Gaffney's. Jackie Lewis. That's right. Oh, Will Gaffney. Oh my God. Listen, right? I have. I'm getting. Uh, I'm proposing to my church that for the neck for 2022, we use the womanist. Uh, her womanist lectionary. Oh, good. Because I'm That's just like. That's a great idea. I think it's going to be so really, smart. really fun. Um, anyways, before we hang up, because I know we're coming up on time because you're a busy woman and we got life to live. Can you please tell humans on the internet where to connect with you, with Middle Church and where to find fierce love? Yes. Um, humans on the internet, um, Middle Church, though our uh, building burned down, it did not uh, kill our revolutionary love. And no matter where you are, you can come to church at 1145 on Sunday mornings at middlechurch.org. It is fierce, fabulous church, and we'd love to have you. So middlechurch.org or our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, come worship with us, do justice with us, love mercy with us. Um, you can find me at JackieJLewis.com. That's my personal website. Fierce love is everywhere now, everywhere books are. Everywhere books are. It, it drops officially on November 9, but you can order it at your Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. at your Amazon, at your local bookstore. And there are zillions of ways to connect with us in the next couple of weeks. Fun stuff at Joe's Pub, um, some great conversations with um, with the Riverside Church, with Middle, with the Collegiate Church. So mm -hmm. you'll find that list here as well. Fierce yeah. love for it's you It's coming first, out. My friends. I adore you. So I love you so much. Did you do the wild goose this year? And now you know why I freaking love her. That was my conversation with the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. You can follow her across social media at Rev Jackie Lewis. That's R E V. J-A-C-Q-U-I-L-E-W-I-S. I know that took a while to spell out, but I figured I would just do it because I started. Um, anyways, um, you can pick up the book, Fierce Love, out everywhere. Try to patronize your local bookshops uh, so we can help stimulate the local economy and help keep, uh, you know, people with roofs over their heads, et cetera, et cetera. And also, if you want to find out more about Middle Church, you can go to middlechurch.org. Um, thank you to everyone who supports this podcast, either by listening. And if you want to support this podcast even further, you can do that by becoming um, a member of the Crowded Table Spiritual Community. Um, if you, We also have sweet um, perks that are going out. So if you've been a part of the Crowded Table for three months, you should have something in the mail pretty soon. So just keep an eye out for that. Follow me across social media at the Kevin Garcia. Join the crowded table at patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. And also we've got really cute merch in the merch store. And if you use the offer code, a tiny revolution, you're going to get a cute little discount on there. So go check all that out. It's on the website. You can also buy my book, Bad Theology Kills at badtheologykills.com. I think that's everything. I love you. So Till next time, please take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, eat something delicious. Um, look at yourself naked in the mirror and tell yourself that you love you. Seriously, see how it feels because let me tell you what, your body loves you so much. Don't forget it. All right, I love you. Till next time, bye.